be sure to follow Send Me to Sleep on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 11 and 12 of The Shadow Witch by Gertrude Crownfield. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 11 Prince Ember and the Shadow Witch were now rapidly approaching the cave hall. On their way past other vaulted chambers, like the one they had just left, and glancing into these as they hastened by, they saw great urns with ponderous lids and enormous chests, all marked with signs of the wizard, filled, as the Shadow Witch was well aware, with those evil things with which he worked his spells, but not an imp was anywhere to be seen. She glided cautiously to the door of one of these rooms and peeped in. She found, as she had supposed, that it was the bedchamber of her brother. His huge bed, with its jet-black coverings and pillows, stood ready to receive him. His tall chair was set close beside it. Nearby was his special treasure chest, in which his choicest wands and spellbooks were locked carefully away from prying fingers. But this room was as silent and deserted as all the rest. On a sudden they heard a loud rapping, which became still louder, and then a harsh voice crying out in angry tones, again and yet again. It is my brother calling for his imps, whispered the Shadow Witch. He is not used to having them tarry when he summons them. It was as she said, the wizard in the cave hall was grey with rage. Never before had he called to his servants without their scurrying on nimble feet to learn his desires. But this time he had struck repeatedly upon the arm of his chair and had lifted his voice louder and louder. And yet neither the chief imp nor any other came. He knew where and how they should be employed at this time, and if they were doing their duty, they were within sound of his voice. How they could dare not to answer him, how they could be deaf when he summoned them, the wizard could not understand. 
the shadow witch stole closer to Prince Ember and spoke beneath her breath. The wizard is but a few yards from us, she said. A moment more and we must encounter him. I do not fear him now, for in this part of the cave my power has always been fully equal to his own. The truth is, I have more than once defeated him here. He remembers it well. Yet, I was long bound by that dark prison, long subject to his power. Before I return to the land of shadows, I must test myself, for I wish to be certain that I can still meet and defy him in his cave hall without being conquered by him. But in order to make sure of myself, I must go before him quite alone. Prince Ember shook his head. I would not have you venture it, he objected. The risk is too great. Not when you are near me, she told him confidently. If the moment should come when I know that I am unable to resist him longer, I will call to you, and you will hasten to help me. Reluctantly the prince consented and she glided away from him with soundless footsteps. Close, close behind her he followed till they reached the threshold of the cave hall. There he tarried out of sight, yet where his eyes could still keep guard over her. The wizard, provoked beyond measure by the inattention of his servants, was about to rise from his chair to go and learn the reason and to punish them, when suddenly a low-toned laugh struck on his ears. It startled him, for it was the familiar laugh of his sister, his sister, whom he believed to be far away, hopelessly imprisoned in the deepest recesses of his cavern. He turned his head in the direction from whence it came, and as he half rose from his seat, puzzled and uncertain, it echoed a second time through the cave. It came from close by in that dusky corridor that led to his own bedchamber, led to the rooms beyond where the imps were busy. I and led on still further to his pit of fumes. By that way his sister could not pass. He smiled cruelly as he thought of the inconquerable barrier to her coming. By the other way there was the double wall, sealed by his enchantment. Remembering these things, he was certain that he but imagined that he had heard her echoing laugh. Even as he said this, he heard it again, and stealing toward him from out the corridor came a grey figure, laughing as she came. He gazed at it in wonder. It could not really be the shadow witch, he told himself. 
it must be that his eyes were deceiving him. Impossible as it seemed, however, he presently saw that it was she who stood before him, knew that it was her own voice that rang clear and triumphant in his ears. The dungeon in which you thought to hold me was not strong enough when that day came of which I warned you, brother, she declared. By a power stronger than yours I have escaped, and I am here in proof that you have failed. In this place, as you well know, you can do naught against me. The wizard's eyes flashed with fire. He made a step forwards with his hands outstretched to seize her. Do not boast too soon, retorted he. I have yet a spell to conquer you even here. Although the shadow witch held her head high in defiance of him, she retreated a few paces. It was true, as she had said, that she was not afraid, but she did not mean to be without caution. She would make her test quickly. If she could but baffle him once more with that old trick of hers, that thus far had never failed to confound him, she would know that she was safe against him. She waved her grey sleeve, and instantly there fell between her and the wizard her magic curtain, her moving curtain of shadow. Before it stood a shadow image, so like to herself that it deceived even the keenest eyes of the wizard. Behind the curtain, she herself was perfectly concealed. It was done so quickly, so skillfully, that the wizard did not guess what had happened. He snatched at the image but when he had almost grasped it, it withdrew from him swiftly. When he pursued it, it darted now to this side, now to that, with marvellous agility, always seeming just within reach of his fingers, yet always just eluding them as they began to close upon it. And each time he failed, he heard the laughter that so mocked him. A triumphant smile stole over the face of the shadow witch, for she saw plainly that she was still able to defend herself against him. Knowing how easily she could escape now from the cave hall with Prince Ember, she was about to beckon him, but she was too late, for in that moment the wizard snatched more swiftly than he had yet done at the gliding figure before the curtain, and this time not in vain. His hands closed upon it, indeed, but closed on nothingness, and thus he learned that he had once more been cheated by his sister's art. Filled with wrath, he shouted words of enchantment, in a voice loud and compelling, 
and in answer to them, dense darkness descended swiftly over the cave hall, making it as black as the prison from whence the shadow witch had escaped. That which she had not believed that he could do here, he had done. Before the darkness, her shadow curtain dissolved, and she herself, crying aloud, sank down helplessly to the cave floor. Now at last the wizard was certain that she was utterly in his power, was certain that there was none near to hear or answer the sharp cry for help which she had given when she fell. He bent down through the gloom to seize her, but as he did so, the darkness broke and fled, and in its place a rich warm light came flooding through the cave hall. It shone upon the evil face of the wizard stooping there. It made plain the form of the shadow witch where she lay. Startled by this strange light, the wizard threw back his head to discover from whence it came, and beheld in the doorway the figure of the Prince Ember, standing with the sword of fire upraised. It was from the sword that his ruddy glow streamed forth, and as the prince advanced rapidly into the cave hall, the light grew more intense, so that the wizard could not bear to look at its beauty, nor could he bear the strong, pure heat that flowed from the sword as it drew nearer and more nearer. Anguish seized him, and a weakness greater even than he had felt before the sword of flames in the hands of Prince Radiance. He gave a hoarse cry to his servants for help, but they, voiceless and motionless prisoners in their vaulted chamber, could not answer, could not come to him, although they heard him call. He tried to struggle to his feet, but it was quite in vain. Instead, he fell prone upon the ground. As he lay there, he saw his sister rise from where his evil spell had cast her, saw her grow strong again, saw joy and courage beam in her face. Her eyes were lifted to this stranger, come to secure her with the glowing light and warmth of his conquering sword. By all these things he knew that the prince, of whom Black Shadow had warned him, had come at last. Prince Amber stretched above his prostrate form the fiery sword. Cruel and wicked master of the cave, he cried, here shall you lie in bondage to this sword until the hour when your sister stands safely within her own borders. Cry not to your servants yonder, they, too, are bound by my spell and cannot answer. Cry not to your guardians of the cave mouth, they also shall be enchained. Deep 
into the frame of the wizard, the magic of the sword pierced its way. He saw, as in a vision, the prince put back his sword. With dulling eyes, he beheld his sister take the hand which the stranger tenderly extended to her. He perceived them go together from the cave hall and into that corridor that led them to freedom. Then all sense and thought forsook him. The spell of the sword of fire had so penetrated his innermost being that he no longer was aware that beyond the cave lurked curling smoke and the ash goblin, and that farther away the wind in the chimney waited, all pledged to destroy Prince Ember and to prevent the escape of the Shadow Witch. Meanwhile, the two pursued their way to the cave's mouth. At its entrance, those imps who had been sent to guard it still kept their vigilant watch. None had ventured to sleep or to stir from his post, for though the time had been long, and no one had tried to pass them, they dared not be unfaithful to their trust. They feared the wizard's wrath and the punishment that would surely befall them if anything should go amiss through fault of theirs. But as Prince Ember and the Shadow Witch approached them, a strange and unfamiliar warmth stole over the watchers, benumbing all their senses. Drowsiness came down upon them where they stood or sat, and with one accord they began to nod to sink off to sleep, and presently they were wrapped in a slumber so profound that nothing could possibly break it. This, too, was the spell of the Sword of Fire. As the Shadow Witch passed the imps and saw them sleeping there, some leaning upright against the rough wall of the cavern, some with heads bowed on knees, and others lying prostrate on the ground. She turned her head to her companion with a smile. Vain are my brother's guards, she murmured, when Prince Ember comes. Chapter 12 Rejoicing in the freedom which she now felt was fully restored to her, the shadow witch glided from the cave of darkness and was about to descend the cliff, but Prince Ember laid a gentle hand upon her to draw her back. Dear lady of the shadows, he said in an undertone, we must not go unprotected into the open. It may be that unseen enemies are lurking there, who at least have powers to hinder us, even if they cannot harm us. I have in my possession a magic cloak, which will make us invisible to our enemies, and enable us to go securely and swiftly on our way. Let us put it on. So saying, he drew her still closer to him, 
and took from his belt the cloak of ash and cast it about them both. She thanked him sweetly for his constant care of her, and side by side they went down the cliff. But though they were now unseen, they had stood for a moment before the cave entrance fully revealed, and in that moment the eyes of an enemy had caught sight of them. Long had curling smoke crouched low in his cranny in the cliffside. His gaze had roved unceasingly over the plain of ash. So vigilant was he that he was sure that none could possibly have approached the wizard's cave without being seen by him from his hiding place. Nevertheless, hour had dragged slowly after hour, and still the one for whom he waited did not appear. The giant's eyeballs ached and grew dim at length from his steadfast watching. Had it not been for his keen desire to satisfy his own ancient grudge against the good fairies of the fire, he would have broken his promise to the wizard, and careless as to whether or not the prince went by, he would have lain down to rest. He wondered greatly at the delay, for, long since, Black Shadow had told him that the stranger was already within the elf's dwelling in the borderland. If this were true, he should have reached the cave by now. Curling Smoke could not imagine what this important matter could be which could detain the prince so long. Yet in spite of his weariness, he continued to look away in the direction of the elf's house. Growing more and more restless and impatient, he finally rose a little in his place of concealment and thrust out his head far enough to see not only the expanse of the plain and the path up the cliffside, but the entrance to the cave of darkness as well. What was his astonishment to see two figures standing before it, one of them the grey-robed shadow witch, whom he knew well, the other a stranger, and clad in those ruddy garments by which Black Shadow had declared he might recognise Prince Ember. He could scarcely believe it to be possible that the shadow witch had escaped from her brother, that the prince had crossed the plain under his very eyes unseen. Yet there they were, almost in his grasp. Eager to snatch at them both, he was about to emerge from his hiding place when... To his discomfiture, they both vanished suddenly from his sight. That they had gone back into the cavern, he did not believe to be possible. Moreover, their faces had been set towards the plain. 
there could be no doubt that they had made themselves invisible and were now on their way down the cliff. Unseen though they were, he knew how he could entrap them and hold them in his power. Determined to do this, he wound his form stealthily upwards, and from his right hand he cast forth huge plumes and columns of smoke, which began to overspread the sky, and travelling swiftly, came on and on as his hand directed them, until they hung poised far above the heads of the unsuspecting prince and his companion. From his left hand, long wreaths and streamers of smoke went out across the ground, creeping along fast and silently, veiling it so that none could see where his own feet trod. Closer and closer from behind these, great smoke walls drew in, but the faces of the two were set steadily towards the land of shadows, and they knew naught of the danger which was so rapidly overtaking them. Then, suddenly, by the enchanter's power, a smoke wall, dense and impenetrable, fell from above directly before the travellers, setting a barrier between them and the land which they were bound. All at once they found themselves in a vast chamber, hemmed in on every hand by the encompassing smoke. The shadow witch was first to awaken to their peril. Casting her eyes downward by chance, she all at once became aware of a faint veil of smoke that was creeping round about her feet. Well did she know by that sign who was near. She cast her eyes hurriedly on all sides and saw with alarm that the smoke was drawing in upon them from every quarter. She caught Prince Ember's arm, whispered anxiously, Behold, my prince, behold the smoke fog. This is the work of the powerful magician, curling smoke. We are entrapped. At that same moment, the smoke dropped down in front of them, making complete the walls of the vast chamber in which they stood imprisoned. Prince Ember, beholding, was motionless with dismay. Flashing back to his mind came the warning of his good friend the elf. Beware of curling smoke, he had said. None more wicked and dreadful than he inhibits the lands through which you must pass. How or when the giant had discovered the presence of himself and the shadow witch, the prince could not guess, unless it had been in that one unguarded moment before the cave. But now he was upon them with his enchantments, and he might be able to overpower them both. 
armed though they were with the cloak of ash and the sword of fire. In spite of his great courage, Prince Ember's heart sank low in his breast before this fresh danger to his beloved Shadow Witch. Thinking intently of how best to act against this new foe, he stood silent. Again, the Shadow Witch whispered low, See, yonder from out the fog he comes, with his veils trailing from his armour. The veil that chokes, the veil that blinds. He has discovered us and means to destroy us. Prince Ember cast his arm about her and pressed her dear head protectingly to his breast. Spurred on by his love for her, his courage mounted high. Looking to where she directed his gaze, he too saw looming out of the murky clouds a great shape, fierce and terrible, the giant curling smoke. From his huge arms hung the veils of which the shadow witch had spoken, held always ready to use against any who provoked his wrath. He stood still, at some distance from them, and searched the dim spaces about him with piercing eyes, but seemed not to find the ones he sought. He does not see us, dearest, spoke the prince under his breath. The cloak conceals us, as the elf promised that it would. True, answered the shadow witch, but before we can escape this giant, we must do battle with him. I know his ways, and I doubt not that he has joined himself to my brother for our destruction. I have a weapon which has not yet failed me, the prince assured her bravely. With it I will meet him, and by using it valiantly, shall hope to overcome him and deliver you. He was about to draw the sword of fire, but the shadow witch prevented him. Not yet, not yet, she besought him. Fully do I trust the marvellous power of your sword, and it will be potent here, I doubt not, if the moment of its using be right. But I have heard the curling smoke cannot be vanquished in his smoke chamber until he towers within it to his fullest height. This I believe I have the power to make him do, and when he has done so, I am sure you will not strike in vain. Till then, let your sword rest quiet in its sheath, but keep your hand upon its hilt and when I have given the word, draw it at once and strike quickly. It shall be as you say, the prince promised her, looking into her uplifted face with tender love. While they had said these things, Curling Smoke had remained where he was, waiting as if in the hope that he might make visible 
by his mere gazing, those whom he had entrapped. Presently, they heard his voice crying aloud through the frog. Let those beware who defy curling smoke. Though they be invisible, they shall yet feel his power. Beneath the cloak of ash, the shadow witch raised her grey sleeve and waved them towards curling smoke. Prince Ember, watching to see what she was about to do, saw a creature, as if in answer to the giant's cry, take shape from among the smoke wreaths that lay along the ground and begin to creep, half hidden by them, towards the giant. Curling Smoke suddenly beheld it also, beheld it with curiosity and astonishment, for this was neither the prince nor the shadow witch, both of whom he believed to be bound by his enchantment, but a stranger. How he had entered the smoke chamber he did not know, remaining poised watchfully where he was, he kept his glittering eyes upon it till it should draw nearer. Before it reached him, it began to rise, to grow larger as it rose, and he presently saw that it was a giant like himself, though smaller and less terrible. His head was bent and his face hidden. Curling smoke gazed upon the newcomer with indignation. Who are you? Who dare to venture unasked within the bounds that I have set? He demanded imperiously. The stranger made no answer, but ceasing to mount, stood poised directly in front of him, with his face still concealed. Know you not that I am the master magician and have power to destroy you instantly, shouted Curling Smoke, lifting his huge hand in menace. Still the creature did not reply. Instantly Curling Smoke unloosed his terrible veil that chokes and flung it at him. It smote against the drooped head of the unknown, but instead of suffocating him, as Curling Smoke had intended that it should, it floated harmlessly back again and hung itself about the enchanter's arm. Foiled though he had been in his first attempt, Curling Smoke was not discomfited. He shook free his veil that blinds. This, this shall overcome you, he cried boastfully. Now shall you learn how great is the power of the magician of veils. With skilful hands he so wielded it that it struck full in the eyes of the intruder, even though his head was still low bent. Yet in spite of this, the second veil drifted back defeated to its place beside the veil that chokes. 
wrathful and puzzled because his veils had proved themselves thus powerless against this silent and seemingly defenceless stranger, Curling Smoke thrust out his powerful arms to wind his adversary round and crush him. But the stranger melted from his coil and stood beyond his grasp, unharmed as before. Then he began again to mount. He reached the magician's shoulders and shooting yet higher threw back his head. Curling Smoke looked upon him, saw to his amazement the face of Prince Ember, a giant now in size and grey-robed, but still Prince Ember. What had become of the Shadow Witch? By what magic the prince had become thus transformed? The magician could not guess, nor did he care, provided he but succeeded in conquering this hated vistant from the land of fire. He regarded him in silence for a moment, pondering how he should accomplish it. Here was his match in size, here was one again whom his veils were powerless, here, too, was a creature who melted from his grasp when he thought to seize and twist him. What, then, remained for him to do? This only, to overtop him and smother him by casting himself down upon him from above. Immediately he began to send himself upward in rapidly rising spirals, so that he might throw himself down upon the stranger with greater force. But as he mounted, the other ascended also, faster and faster, higher and higher, always head and shoulders above curling smoke. As curling smoke rose, he shouted threats and defiance, shaking his fist at his rival and glaring up at him with malicious and baneful eyes. But the other still maintained his strange silence and met his look unmoved. Prince Ember, watching this phantom of himself from the shelter of the Cloak of Ash, marvelled at the power of the Shadow Witch, who, by her magic, could so delude their foe. As he watched, he held himself in readiness to draw his sword when his companion gave the word. Still higher towered the Phantom Prince, and after him sprang curling smoke, wreathing his murky spirals upwards and crying out more and more boisterously as he grew the more enraged by every vain effort to reach and overlap him. The two had almost reached the dome, and Prince Ember's hand tightened on his sword, for he felt that the time to use it was near. Not yet, my prince, whispered the Shadow Witch, not yet. At arm's length, 
the higher she sent her phantom and made him pause. Seeing this, sure now that his enemy could go no further, curling smoke shot up with lightning swiftness and stood above him at last. Stretched to his full height, an immensely tall and straight slender column, poised on tiptoe to spring and overleap him, his voice rang out hoarsely. Ah, now you shall not escape me. At last your time has come. Strike, breathed the shadow witch to the waiting prince. Strike now. Swiftly Prince Ember threw back the cloak of ash. The sword of fire glowed red as it swung through the air, and redder still as it struck the limbs of curling smoke and clove them. As the strange heat of that fairy sword rushed through his giant frame, curling smoke became as naught. His limbs were seized with faintness and trembling. The phantom prince vanished suddenly from before him, and his own veil that blinds rose in darkening folds across his eyes. The veil that chokes swept across his mouth, and his turbulent voice was stilled. He began to shrink upwards, to waver and fade and presently he drifted helplessly into the great smoke dome and was swallowed up in it. Then, also, before the mighty heat that flowed from the sword of fire, the walls and dome of the vast smoke chamber and the smoke wreaths upon the ground were themselves dissolved, and Prince Ember and the Shadow Witch stood free in the plain of ash. Ah, my brave prince, by your sword of fire, how gloriously you have conquered, exclaimed the shadow witch with sparkling eyes. Forget not the magic of my dear lady of the shadows, Prince Ember tenderly reminded her, for without its aid, This victory could scarcely have been won. The shadow witch laughed sweetly. On, on together then, she cried.